Fasting Ramadan is a great obligation. During the month of Shaban was obligated Ramadan in the second year of migration. Fasting Ramadan is a great obligation. Welcome, dear listeners, to the fourth installment of the AM Drive Time Show in the English series called Ramadan Around the World. For the Arabic series, tune in to the next episode with Abir for her series called Tulfu Shuf. The following is a compilation of pre-recorded segments prepared especially for the month of Ramadan. First, we shall begin with a brief outline of one of the countries of the world. Accompanying this is an interview with a member from our ethnically diverse Muslim community in which they will share with us some information about their traditions from the beginning of the holy month of Ramadan up until the blessed occasion of Eid al-Fitr. Amid some beautiful chants that put us in the atmosphere of this time of the year, we also have some lovely poems layered with encouragement to properly utilize our limited and fleeting time. In our lineup, we also have a piece of dialogue that is rich with benefits. We want to carry on with our text and win competition, so stay alert, as we might ask the question at any point during this episode. However, be warned, as the Ramadan text and win questions have a specific WhatsApp number separate from the 2MFM WhatsApp number, which will be mentioned alongside the question. And finally, we conclude this lineup with a short religious benefit. The AM Drive Time team would like to congratulate you on the advent of this blessed occasion and wishes you well during this month. We hope that you keep in touch with us during the upcoming text and win question and we hope to reconvene with you all for our live episodes after the month of Ramadan. We are now beginning the core segment of our series in which we speak about Ramadan traditions across the world. First, let us introduce our chosen country for this episode. Today, we are speaking about Turkey, and then we will hear a little bit about how the Turkish population commemorates Ramadan in Turkey from one of our D sisters. Turkey, or present-day Turkiya, is located partly in Asia and partly in Europe. It borders on eight countries and is among the largest countries by landmass and population in that region. The population of Turkey was 84.78 million as of 2021 and its capital city Ankara had a population of 5.663 million in 2020. Many regions in Turkey are mountainous. The highest peak in Turkey is Mount Ararat, which is over 5,000 metres high. The elevation of the land is a contributing factor in Turkey's famously frigid winters. The one and only transcontinental city in the world, Istanbul, formerly known as Constantinople, is located in Turkey and it lies in both Europe and Asia. It is also Turkey's largest city and among the largest of all European cities. The population of Istanbul was 15.46 million in 2020. Istanbul is considered Turkey's cultural hub. Located in Istanbul are several intriguing landmarks including the Hagia Sophia Mosque, the Sultan Ahmed Mosque and the Topkapi Palace. It may come as no surprise that the Ottoman Empire provided a rich and long-standing influence on a great deal of the habits, traditions and lifestyles of Muslims living in Turkey, some of which are specific to the month of Ramadan. To this day, even their food may be reminiscent of or directly inspired by the Ottomans, as we will see in the following interview. Without further ado, let us hear from our dear sister from the Turkish community about the month of Ramadan in Turkey.
Welcome to the special Ramadan segment, Ramadan Around the World, where some of our dear brothers and sisters from a variety of different countries and ethnic backgrounds tell us about the way they would commemorate the holy month in their home country. Today I'm joined by... Dilek Chakar. Welcome Dilek, where are you from? My parents are from Turkey originally, but oh. I'm, born, I'm born and raised here. Okay, so your, your background is Turkish. It is. So do you want to tell us a little bit about how Ramadan is declared to the Muslim public in your country? Well, there is a very long Ottoman history in Turkey and they still try to uphold the traditions that originate from the Ottoman Empire. So originally what would happen is when when the moon was sighted, um, they would shoot the cannons and that's how they would declare that Ramadan has started. Now they still try to do that in certain places, but because of safety issues and things like that, it's not as common all over the country. But for example, in Istanbul, they will still do it, but it's guarded by military and police just to ensure the safety um, of the public. Yeah, yeah. mashallah, that's, that's amazing. I mean, I don't think that's very common in, in many other places, but that's such a unique way of announcing the month. It's so distinct that you hear the cannons and you know that it's Ramadan. Subhanallah. That's an amazing yeah, way to mark de- the beginning of the month. Yes, definitely. People would already be waiting for the declaration of the month of Ramadan beginning. Mm-hmm. So as soon as they heard it, they knew that, you know, it's Ramadan and they'd greet each other as such. MashaAllah. And how can you miss it? <laughs> no, absolutely. That's right. You can't miss it. Yeah. Okay. So you weren't raised in uh, Turkey, is that right? That's right. So can you tell us about the traditions that your parents upheld in this country from Turkey? Well, it's probably very similar to Lebanese traditions or other Arab uh, cultures. The first night that they declare that it's Ramadan, they'll always go to pray the Tarawih prayer. Um, And then obviously, you know, we have the Sahur. In Turkish, they say Sahur. Mm -hmm. Very similar, obviously. Yep. So they get up for Sahur and they... We have just light meals and then the fasting and then for iftar, again, you know, it's a nice celebration and celebrating family and togetherness and everyone's usually uh, starting with an extended family, particularly on the first few days. So is there anything that you feel has been lost that was maybe originally something that your parents practiced back in Turkey that they weren't able to bring with them here? Um, Yes, for sure. In the town that my parents both grew up in, Foshur, they would walk around with the drums and they'd say the takbir as they're walking through the streets uh, to wake everyone up Foshur. That's obviously something they weren't able to bring with them and they had to leave that behind, unfortunately. Um, And they do speak of it fondly when they remember that and that that is something that they sorely miss. MashaAllah, I can imagine because hearing that, you know, <laughs> again, how can you miss it? It's yeah, the recurring theme of loud noises, isn't it? <laughs> Just to make sure that everyone is aware of everything that's going on at all times. It's nice though. It does, it promotes that unity amongst everybody. Yeah, and it's the atmosphere. It builds the atmosphere. That's right. It's all part of that yeah, tapestry absolutely. of what Ramadan is in Turkey. That's really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. MashaAllah. So we did start talking about some of the habits that they have for suhoor in Turkey. Um, can you mm-hmm. tell us a little bit more about the habits for suhoor and in particular the foods that you eat um, during that time? For, uh, for Turks, breakfast is a very important meal of the day. So when people in Turkey and Turks in Australia, when they get up for suhoor, they do make a point of eating those normal breakfast foods that you'd have. So, for example, you definitely have eggs on the table. Mm -hmm. You definitely have olives, cheese, tomato, cucumber. Um, You have menemen. Menemen is – it's a Turkish dish where you cook the eggs, you scramble eggs with onion and tomato. Mm. Um, And you also – there's another – delicious food that we always have in our breakfast tables, which is called kaymak. It's like not a custard, not the ghee. It's like a butter, you could almost say, and it's derived from milk and it's called kaymak. And then they mix that with honey as well. And you can use it as a dip for your bread. So you have like a nice spread. It is. You have a beautiful spread on the breakfast table and Turks will generally uphold that for food as well. And they make sure that they eat 
they eat well for for suhoor. And who usually prepares this? It's usually the mother. Of course. <laughs> it's usually the, yeah, that's right. It's usually the mother. And if she's blessed enough to have daughters as well, they usually will get up and help as well with the breakfast. MashaAllah. And I'm sure, you know, that really also helps to build that atmosphere of Ramadan. Waking up. Oh, um, definitely. Sometimes yes. in the cold of the night and working together as, as a family to prepare that suhoor meal. Yeah, and it's good that you mentioned the cold because um, there's still many places in Turkey, in the Turkish towns and villages where they still have to light a traditional fire. Um, so they have to get the wood and the coal and get the fire going and warm the home and get the fire going to start cooking And uh, because there are a lot of places that still don't have natural gas wow. um, in Turkey. In the Even my parents' town where they're from, they have electricity, obviously, uh, but there is no natural gas. So people still resort to the traditional heating methods and cooking methods subhanallah. Um, um, where they can. That's, subhanAllah, that's amazing. I mean, you would think at this point in, in history, it's very, very rare to find people that don't have the resources that we have. We're very blessed. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. We are. Yes, so they would have to get up and, you know, heat the home, prepare the food and still have that beautiful spread ready for everyone to um, prepare for the day of fasting. MashaAllah. And uh, when it comes to that day of fasting, when it comes to breaking your fast on the first day of Ramadan, who hosts mm -hmm. that first iftar? It'll usually be one of the mothers. So, for example, I'm married and... It could be my husband's mother or it could be my mother. Um, generally, it'll be the husband's mother who host the first iftar. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, then you'll go to the, the woman's mother as well. So usually it's one of the parents who will do it. Um, and everybody will gather there with their families. MashaAllah. And do you typically take something with you when going to an iftar? Yes, normally we'll take sweets with us when we're going for an iftar. Um, usually someone will bake something at home or we have um, traditional, you know, baklava sweets. Yes. Um, and we make those, many different types of Turkish sweets. So someone will us you'll usually make one of those and you'll take it with you. MashaAllah. And it takes the, the, the pressure off the host of having to make the sweets as well. That's true. MashaAllah. Yeah. That's, that's the point of it, isn't it? So that we can it all is. share the effort of preparing a meal, um, especially for that first day, because usually a lot of yes. people go all out for that first day. The yep. load is heavy of making that big meal. So. It is. It is. It's, it's a lot of pressure. Um, it is the first one. You worry about ensuring that, the food tastes good. Is there enough that that there's enough food for everybody? Yes. Um, so yeah, it is just not. It's nice to just give that lending hand as well. Yeah, it's on true. that first day for the for the host. And I think for the first day, a lot of us forget that we get full so quickly, so we over prepare. Yes, that's true. That is true. What about the staple dishes that you always find on the table during Ramadan in a Turkish household? You will not go to iftar at a Turkish home without the soup to break your fast with. The soup. So this, there will always be soup. Um, you you break your fast on dates and water, but the first thing that you eat will be the soup. Can I ask why? Um, because Turks believe that the soup warms up your stomach and opens your appetite. Wow. Because it's nice and warm and it's easy a liquid, it's not hard. That's right. It's nice and soft and easy for the for the stomach to digest and it opens your appetite. Yeah, so they, they genuinely believe that your stomach is cold and hard without that soup because you haven't eaten the entire day um, and it's just hard on the stomach to just go straight into a big meal. Yeah. Without having the soup. I'm sure we've all experienced that as well, especially on that first day again. When yes, we think that, I think so. Yeah. When we think that we're hungrier than we actually are. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. And it'll be a range of soups as well that you see different types of soup. Turkey has a, a handful of very traditional soups. Um, so it could be any one of those. 
Would you like to share with us a few? The one that you'll always find in my mother's home is the Turkish lentil soup. Mm -hmm. And if you go to a Turkish restaurant, usually they'll have that on the menu. It's usually a yellow, thick-looking soup. I don't know if you've ever tried it. I've seen, yeah. Um, or Yeah, it's very delicious. It's a lentil soup. And depending where you're from, you might have yayla chorbasa. Yayla chorbasa is a, a yogurt-based soup. Okay. So they make a – you know how in the Arab culture and in the Arab cuisine you have where you cook the, the zucchini in the yogurt? Oh, the kusa, yes. The kusa, yes. Yeah. So you cook the kusa in the, in the yogurt. It's the same kind of concept. It's that warm yogurt soup. Oh, wow. MashaAllah. Yeah. I don't think I've yeah. ever heard of a yogurt-based soup before. That's so interesting. Yeah, um, where we are from, the Ege, which is the Mediterranean, and usually you have the lentil soup okay. on the table. MashaAllah. So I want to ask, how do you prepare yeah. this specific lentil soup? So every household will have their own little method of doing it. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to tell you how my mum makes it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just saying it because she's my mum, because uh, most people will say this about their mum's food, but her lentil <laughs> soup is actually very, very nice. And most people will come to her for her recipe. Mm. Um, it's very simple. So the first thing you'd have to do is fill a pot with water and put either red lentils or yellow lentils. Some people use red lentils, so mm -hmm. the soup has a dark, that more of an orangey colour to it, but we normally use the yellow lentils. Um, and then you boil, you can add an onion in there, you can add potatoes in there, you can add some carrot in there, um, and you boil it until the lentils and everything in it goes soft. Um, but the way my mother makes it is she just uses the yellow lentils only. And so then you boil it until it goes soft and in another pot, and this is a secret, and this is like what they call the restaurant secret as well to make that delicious yellow lentil soup, um, you get a tablespoon of butter and a tablespoon of flour and you mix those together until you get that, you know, it turns into like a paste. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you add your boiled lentils and the other vegetables, if you've added them, mm -hmm. into the second pot where you have that buttery flour paste yeah. and you add it in there and then you mix it and you keep mixing and you're mixing and you have to keep mixing it. Otherwise, because you've added that flour, it'll stick to the bottom. So you just have to keep mixing it until the consistency is just very smooth. Mm -hmm. um, but because it's lentil, it's not going to be completely smooth. So it's a very good idea to get the stick blender and you put it in and then you blitz it. Yep. You blend it all up and you get this very, very nice smooth consistency and then you'll get your Turkish lentil soup. So, And then you'll obviously add your salt to taste and pepper and you keep mixing, just keep mixing so that it doesn't stick at the bottom. And then once you're done and it's all um, boiled and you're ready to go, you turn it off, let it cool down and then you serve and typically we'll have it with some lemon drizzled on top and bread on the side, some nice mm. Turkish bread on the side. Yeah. You know what? I feel like this recipe, just hearing about it, kind of warms my heart. <laughs> and I'm sure uh, that. Well, that is what it's meant to do, yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that the listeners, even the ones that don't eat lentil soup usually, would uh, feel like having this recipe because it honestly, it just feels so cozy. It is. It's very nice. And I know I didn't give you exact measurements, but that's just because, you know, our mothers, when they cook, they don't use those exact measurements. That's true. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and I'm sure like if anyone is interested, they can just Google the exact measurements if they want to go by exact measurements. Yeah. Um, but that's how we make it and it just turns out so beautiful. People sometimes also add in chicken to it. Okay. So they'll, you know, boil some chicken separately on the side because maybe they want to add some protein into it and they'll boil some chicken on the side and then they'll shred it and then add that into the soup as well. That sounds delicious, honestly. I mean, you've got a mix it of is. everything. It's very nice. You've got the vegetables, yeah. you've got the legumes, you've got the, the meat. I mean, that's, that's yeah. a pretty wholesome meal in itself. It is. And it's quite filling because it is legume. So a lot of people, they have that first bowl of the lentil soup and then it's very hard for them to continue eating. Yeah. 
It is very filling. I mean, that's the goal. You don't want to eat too much. Yeah, that's right. MashaAllah. Thank you so much for sharing that recipe. No, you're very welcome. So that's the starter. Typically, the soup okay. is the starter. Yes, and, that's um, right. And what main dishes do you always find on a Turkish iftar table? If we're going to go traditionally, uh, you know, if we're going to go back, for the main will be some type of plant-based meal because of the lack of protein okay. back in the old days. You'd have, for example, lubia, you know, and fasulia mm-hmm. and those types of dishes as your main. And then there'll be a side. Obviously now because we, you know, live in a country which is full of um, blessings, we can eat the protein every day. So in modern days, you'll have the protein as a main. So you, you can have chicken and usually lamb. Turks, Turks usually stick to lamb. Um, so one or the other. But traditionally, people didn't have access to protein at, like we do today. Mm-hmm. So it would be some type of, legume-based main meal, and there did be some salad, there'd be some rice as well. Sounds delicious. MashaAllah. Yeah. But I want to ask you about your favourite food. What is it that you look forward to from the Turkish meals that you eat during Ramadan? doesn't matter that um, it's in Arab cuisine as well because I love lubiye, but we call it, in Turkish, we call it taze fasulye. Uh-huh. Um and Turks, when we cook the taze fasulye, so the lubiye, we cook it as a tomato base. We don't add meat to it. Okay. And we usually have it with rice on the side. So that's definitely something that I really look forward to uh, during Ramadan. And again, you know, if, especially if I get to have it at my mum's house, because she makes a very beautiful lubiye. Um, it's definitely a fan favorite, yeah. that lubiye. Yes. yes. Yes, I think so. It's so nice. And fasulia as well. I really enjoy that as well. So either one, um, I'll be there eating it. So you really enjoy your legumes, your beans? Yes, I think, like I said earlier, um, Turkish traditional foods are very much Mm -hmm. legume-based because of the lack of access to protein in the old days. And I think it's something that my mother upheld in her cooking even when she came here, and it's what I grew up with. So I do enjoy it, definitely. I was actually invited to my auntie's house last night, and she had a chickpea soup, um, which is also quite popular um, in Turkey, but I'm not a big fan of it. But I just wanted to highlight how much we eat the legumes in Turkish culture. Mm, And obviously, if you were lucky enough in the old days, you know, you'd have the access to the lamb or to the chicken, which is, again, very, very popular still to this day. MashaAllah. Thank you so much. And, You're welcome. Uh, what about when it comes to desserts, desserts during Ramadan? Is there anything specific? Because I know you mentioned uh, baklava and I know that a variety of countries have some variation of that dessert. Is there anything else? Something specific to Turkey and something specific to the times of the Ottomans yep. is a Turkish sweet called gulaç. And it basically means r- rosy meal. Okay. And it's something that was made specifically for the sultans because they loved it so much during Ram- Ramadan. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it was probably because a lot of people didn't have access to all these different ingredients. You know, pe- ingredients people just generally had access to simpler food. Mm-hmm. Um, so these types of meals were... Um, specific to the sultans and to the sultans' wives and, you know, to the upper classes who could have access to these ingredients. So gulach is basically a very, very thin sheet that's made from flour. So, you know, think of phyllo pastry, but Mm -hmm. much thinner than that. Um, And a different ingredient and a different consistency, but like a very thin sheet. And you get milk and you put rose water into the milk, sorry, rose water and sugar into it and you keep stirring the milk until it's all mixed together. And then you layer the sheets. So you put a sheet down and then you put some of that milk down and then you keep layering it 
until you get a nice thickness. Mm -hmm. And then you put crush some walnuts and some pistachios, put it on top with some pomegranate on top as well, and you serve it like that. Wow. And it used to be a big favourite in the Ottoman palaces. Like I said, it is from the time of the Ottoman Empire and it's something that was served during Ramadan. So it's specific to Ramadan and and people still make it in modern times during Ramadan as well. So you can go to if you're in Turkey and you're in some and you get invited to someone's house to iftar, you will probably have some gulach as well. MashaAllah. And when it comes to the desserts and the meals that you eat after the month of Ramadan has passed and it is Eid Day. What is it that you eat during Eid Day? Sweets. Lots so, of sweets. Yes, it is. Everybody will obviously get up on the morning of the Eid and usually you'll be with extended family eating a very big breakfast. So earlier I said the significance and importance of breakfast in the Turkish culture. Yes. So after the Eid prayer, everybody will get together, usually at a designated home. It could be anyone really. It could be well, you know, one of your aunties or your uncles usually or your grandparents. Um, and there will be a big breakfast held. Um, and then you, after the breakfast is finished, you visit. You start visiting everybody and that's what you do for the entire day. And then every single home that you go to, they will give you sweets, sweets and tea. Um, usually there'll be some variation of baklava, other cakes. You might be lucky to get some gulach. So, and that's what you do the whole day. And by the end of the day, you do feel quite sick because you've had so many sweets, <laughs> but you know, it is what it is. And we just, you know, take it for what it is. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You get the, yeah. maybe the same, uh, sort of thing at, at most people's houses. And then you've had your yeah. feel by the end of the day. And you're like, you know what, yes. I'm ready to not have any of this until the next Eid. That's right. And <laughs> then you can't you can't say no because they've spent days making those sweets for the Eid because they're anticipating visitors, so they prepare for it. And um, when you go to their home and they offer those sweets to you and you say no, they do become quite offended by it. So you have to eat. Yeah. <laughs> Now, mm. what about when it comes to savory dishes? Do you have any savory dishes in particular that you eat during the Eid day? Yes, burek. So mm-hmm. you, I don't know if you've ever seen it um, around and about in any of the shops, but burek is again, um, it's a type of pastry. Yep. Um, is this the meat and pastry? I- you can add anything into it you like. Generally, you you have a meat version and you'll have a spinach cheese version mm-hmm. um, or just the cheese version. And again, it's a layered pastry, but a different type of pastry. So many, you know how there's so many different doughs and pastries that you can make. Yeah. Um, and so the burdek pastry is one where the dough becomes very stretchy and you can just um, pull it really wide out and very, very thin and you just layer that um, dough, that pastry with onions and meat and cheese and spinach, um, whatever vegetables you like, you can add, add it and you just roll it up into, think of like a, a snake shape yep. um, and then we just put it into a pan and roll it around and around until you get like a nice full tray, which looks like a big snake that's just been, you know, entwined. That's another big favorite of mine. And most Turks will have that at their home as well. Wow. You really paint a picture. During the age. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to, but <laughs> um, at the same time, I'm, I'm conscious that everyone's fasting and I'm fasting. So <laughs> it's just making everyone hungrier. Yeah, I mean, subhanAllah, when you when you talk about all of these things, I can just imagine them being prepared in a shop on like a large yeah. scale um, because it's so... Yeah, or even at home, when yeah. we're at home, when we all the women get together, um, there are some dishes where you, we call each other for and we say, look, I'm making this, can you come? Because it's such a big job. Yeah. And burek is definitely one of them because you're making many different trays with many different ingredients in that pastry. Um, but it's so worth it in the end. It's delicious. Baklava is another one that we get together for to make because you make 
you know, many trays. And again, you're working with layers of pastry and things like that. So what a nice tradition to have to gather and prepare the iftar meal for, or the Eid. Yeah. To gather and prepare yes. for the Eid meal. It is. It is. It's very nice. Allah. Well, thank you so much, Dilek, for sharing all of those uh, lovely dishes with us and those lovely traditions. You're very welcome. It was so very amazing welcome. to hear. Thank you. You're very welcome and I enjoyed sharing them with you. And I'm sure that people will enjoy listening to them as I did. I hope so. Thank you so much. Thank you. Recep Şaban ayından Sonra gelir Ramazan Bize nasip eylesin Sabır versin yaradan Recep Şaban ayından Sonra gelir Ramazan Bize nasip eylesin Sabır versin yaradan Şükredelim Allah'a Kavuştuk Ramazan'a Salavat getirelim Muhammed Mustafa'ya Şükredelim Allah'a Rahman Rahim olana Salavat getirelim Muhammed Mustafa'ya Niyet oruç içindir Nef 
Ölse zincir vurulur Melekler şahit olur Şükredelim Allah'a Kavuştuk Ramazan'a Salavat getirelim Muhammed Mustafa'ya Şükredelim Allah'a Rahman Rahim olana Salavat getirelim Muhammed Mustafa'ya Zekat Allah emridir Fitrelerde verilir Fakirlerde sevinir Oruç bir ibadettir Zekat Allah emridir Fitrelerde verilir Fakirlerde sevinir Şükredelim Allah'a Kavuştuk Ramazan'a Salavat getirelim Muhammed Mustafa'ya Şükredelim Allah'a Rahman Rahim olana Salavat getirelim Muhammed Mustafa'ya Sofralar kurulunca Sonsuz bir bereket var İkramlar sunulunca İftar vakti gelince Sofralar kurulunca Sonsuz bir bereket var İkramlar sunulunca Şükredelim Allah'a Kavuştuk Ramazan'a Salavat getirelim Muhammed Mustafa'ya Şükredelim Allah'a Rahman Rahim olana Salavat getirelim Muhammed Mustafa'ya Nefsimizi yenelim, teravihe gidelim Gelsin Kadir gecemiz, Allah Allah diyelim Nefsimizi yenelim, teravihe gidelim Gelsin Kadir gecemiz, Allah Allah diyelim 
şükredelim Allah'a Kavuştuk Ramazan'a Salavat getirelim Muhammed Mustafa'ya Şükredelim Allah'a Rahman Rahim olana Salavat getirelim Muhammed Mustafa'ya Now comes the quiz portion of today's episode. Over the holy month of Ramadan, the AM Drive Time team has prepared some quiz questions. Some are in Arabic and will be asked during the episodes of Tu Fushuf by Adir. And others are in English and I will ask them during my episodes of Ramadan Around the World. To submit your answers, please send them through our exclusive WhatsApp number that we are using for the month of Ramadan. It is 04 9173344 that's 0491733448 the winners will be selected at the end of the month of ramadan so ensure that you are following along and answering all of our text and win questions are you ready here is today's question in which year was fasting the month of Ramadan ordained upon the nation of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Once again, in which year was fasting the month of Ramadan ordained upon the nation of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? If you have an answer, please do send it to our exclusive WhatsApp number that we are using for the month of Ramadan. Once again, that number is 04 9173344 that's 0491733448 Ramadan Mubarak from the AM Drive Time team Clever is the one who prepared for Ramadan before the blessed month's arrival and broke their nafs and care for this world and worked on their heart's revival. Clever are those who start their day reciting the words of protection, praising Allah and thanking Him with a sincere intention. Clever are those who pray in congregation and spend time in religious lessons. And as they worship the sustainer, their hunger lessens and lessens. Clever is the one who raises their sleeves and helps with food preparation. And when breaking their fast with their family, reminds them to make supplication. Clever are those who don't waste the nights even after fasting the days. By reciting Qur'an and making dua and Qiyam Ramadan one praise. Be amongst the clever ones for the remainder of this month. And remember that Ramadan in every year only comes once.
You are now listening to some dialogue between two sisters whose conversation touches on a variety of benefits and reminders surrounding the month of Ramadan. Assalamu alaikum Dima, kulla aamun wa antum bikhair. Wa alaikum assalam aya wa anti bikhair. You know something, I've been meaning to ask you, what is your goal for the month of Ramadan? With the end of the month rapidly approaching, what are you hoping to have achieved? That's quite a heavy question, but I do have an answer for you. As with every day that a person is privileged to wake up, the goal is to be better than you were before. So my goal is to make each day better than the previous night, and each night better than the previous day. MashaAllah, that's a great goal. But how do you expect to make a drastic change overnight on a consistent basis? No, no, no drastic change, not at first at least. It all starts with an intention. You might have a long-term goal that you want to reach, Set the sincere intention that you want to improve your situation for the sake of Allah. Then, what naturally follows is all the small decisions that you make along the way. I see. So, these small decisions are like the habits that you build gradually? The things that you do consistently until your goal starts to materialize? Yes, but your decisions also encompass all the little things that you choose not to do as well. When you overcome bad inclinations or decline offers that you know will lead you down the path of your destruction, then you start shaping yourself into the person that you want to be. The golden rule is, in worldly or materialistic matters, look to those in a worse state and be humbled and grateful. In matters relating to the hereafter, look to those who are in a better state, follow their example and be inspired by them. Beautifully put. This reminds me of the way the righteous people in the past behaved during Ramadan. It was mentioned that our master Uthman ibn Affan, the third righteous caliph of this nation, would pray during the night and he would recite the whole Qur'an in one rak'ah of the witr prayer. MashaAllah, such people are so blessed. Their lives would revolve around performing acts of worship, especially in this month. We take them as examples, of course, and are inspired by them. But it is also important to set realistic goals for ourselves that we know we can achieve. This helps us encourage ourselves to maintain these habits even after Ramadan. Good point. A person might aim to read a portion of the Qur'an that they have taken through the proper chain every day. If they wish to learn more, they can attend sessions of knowledge and take more chapters from a trustworthy person. Precisely. And the goal is that when the person acquires one good habit, it is made for the long term and it is not restricted to the month of Ramadan. It's a beautiful sight to see families attending the mosques together, dressed in Islamic wear, seeking to pray in congregation and attend the circles of knowledge. And how disappointing is it to see the mosques nearly empty while some people busy themselves with worldly matters, in this particular month no less. This should be a time where we spend the fasting day in our mosques, performing the recommended deeds and seeking the acceptance of our Creator. Not to mention all of the recommended deeds that a person can do while breaking their fast and afterward, such as breaking one's fast on dates as the Prophet ﷺ advised. And then a person would make supplication for good things in this life and the hereafter. There's also taraweeh prayer that one can do, and one can also continue reciting the Qur'an, attending lessons and making dhikr as they had been doing during the day. Let's not forget that a person can do something recommended before the fasting day as well, which is to wake up for suhoor and prepare sahur for themselves and their family. And what a day that would be, full of acts of obedience. I like this goal of yours and honestly, I think that's my goal now too. May Allah enable us to spend what remains of this month in obedience to Him and guide us to what is best for us. Ameen. Thank you, Allah, for the month of Ramadan. Welcome to the third religious benefits segment for the series Ramadan Around the World. Today, we will be talking about some of the recommended deeds to perform in the month of Ramadan. The month of Ramadan is a month where one has the opportunity to gain a great deal of reward. 
It is the month of mercy, forgiveness, blessings, tranquility, and peace. There are many recommended deeds one is able to perform during this blessed month. It is recommended, sunnah, to break one's fast as soon as one is sure that the Maghrib sunset has set in. However, one should take extra precautions in breaking their fast and not rush into it by simply relying on the adhan on the radio station or TV. One should make the effort to simply observe the setting of the sun before breaking their fast, for one has experienced the hardship of fasting the entire day and does not want to lose that day by breaking their fast before the due time. It is good to break one's fast by eating dates, and if not available, then by drinking water. It is good to say the following statement upon breaking one's fast. Allahumma laka sumt wa ala rizqika aftart. Dhahab al-dhama wa btallat al-uruq wa thabat al-ajru insha'Allah. Which means, O oh Allah, I fasted seeking your reward, and with your sustenance I broke my fast. The thirst is gone. My veins are dampened, and the reward has been earned by the will of Allah. It was narrated from Abu Dawood that the Prophet used to say this supplication upon breaking his fast. It is also good to delay the sahur meal, the breakfast meal eaten before the fajr time, until a time close to the dawn, but to stop eating before the dawn. Refraining from gossip Cursing a Muslim and other sins is more emphasized while fasting. In committing some sins, the reward of one's fasting might be lessened or lost. If someone curses another, let the one who was cursed abstain from responding with a similar curse. Instead, let them say, I am fasting, I am fasting. Paying the optional charity to the poor, reciting the Qur'an, Staying in the mosque that is waqf with the intention of i'tikaf, especially during the last 10 days of Ramadan, praying the tarawih prayer, and inviting others to break their fast on food which you provide are all rewardable acts. The month of Ramadan is a great opportunity for one to gain a great deal of rewards. The reward is earned by performing the obligations in worship and obedience to Allah and by performing many recommended sunnah deeds. Let us not waste our time during this blessed month. May Allah enable us to spend what remains of this month in acts of obedience and may Allah accept our good deeds. Ameen and Allah knows best.